Welcome to the American Meteorological Society's podcast series on careers in the atmospheric and related sciences. I'm Kelly Savoy, and I'm here with Rex Warner, and we will be your hosts. Our podcast series will give you the opportunity to step into the shoes of an expert working in weather, water, and climate sciences. We are excited to introduce today's guest, Azar Abadi, a research assistant professor at the University of Nebraska's College of Public Health Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome, Azar. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Azar, could you tell us a bit about your educational background and what sparked your interest in meteorology? Definitely. So I started uh, my, it's not career, my education with physics and I always had this interest for, for nature and science because uh, as far as I remember from my childhood, as a family, we had a big interest in uh, hiking and camping. So I was always most of the time in the nature and enjoying, you know, like the diversity and um, the various things that, you know, like uh, I found interesting in the nature, like, you know, like the type of soils, the color of the rocks. And, you know, like how the water flow in the rivers and different stuff like this. And then uh, so I started my bachelor uh, in physics and then um, it was my senior year that um, I really got into more of, you know, like the more tangible type of science with the, you know, like I was mesmerized by, you know, like how the how the nature was working. I was more interested in that. And. That was basically because uh, I had courses on, you know, like quantum physics, and it gave me the opportunity to compare uh, what I really was interested in. So I loved, you know, like the topics about, you know, like quantum physics. But since I had, you know, like a bigger interest for things that I could actually see with my eyes, and I could see the direct impact on the on the life on daily life, I decided to uh, continue my education in uh, in atmospheric uh, physics. At the time, it was called atmospheric physics. We didn't have a major called meteorology. But when I got my when I started my master in University of Tehran, it was basically focused on the 10 first kilometer of the atmosphere. So it was mainly meteorology. Something that uh, got me uh, very inspired uh, in my early childhood was that my my dad was always talking about the winters that they had. So he originally is from a um, dry type of climate. And he was always telling me about, you know, like uh, how he observed that, you know, like there was, you know, like, like a lake or a river that disappeared in the course of, you know, like uh, maybe 15 years or 20 years. And also he was always talking about um, the winters that they had was, uh, was very extreme and they had lots of snow on the ground and they had to dig up, you know, like tunnels to get outside of the house. So these were part of the things that I really found interesting that, you know, like how it's happening, why it's, you know, like so fast, because in the course of, you know, like 25 years, 27 years that I lived in Iran, I never remember seeing such, you know, like winters that my dad used to talk about uh, when we were, you know, like my grandma's house. So that was really, you know, like a spark for me that to see, you know, like what's happening, why we why we see these changes in a very short course of time. That's very interesting. So family history yes. brings you to your scientific focus, family storytelling. That's correct. So from your education, what opportunities did you pursue in school or once school was finished that helped you secure a job 
in your field with your degree? So then I uh, then I came to the United States in 2013, and I started my PhD in a, in a, a program for meteorology climatology in the University of Nebraska Lincoln. And uh, I had uh, different opportunities to work on different researches. So I was working with a watershed climatology for a while, for a, almost one year. And then I had uh, different researches about, you know, like climate modeling stuff. And my dissertation was uh, basically focused on the on the climate change uh, assessment in South America and specifically in climate in Bolivia. Also, just to make sure that I have, you know, like all the skill sets uh, when I when I graduate, I had an internship in the National Drought Mitigation Center, and my my responsibility there was basically modeling the future climate for for the countries in the Middle East, North Africa, or MENA region. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how you know, like I got involved with more of a drought and more of a climate change uh, assessment. And then, you know, like uh, later on with my PhD uh, dissertation, I was mainly focused on, you know, like the climate change assessment. And I got more involved in um, like, I was reading different articles. I watched different documentaries on how it's impacting everyday life in those countries or, you know, like more of a developing countries or more vulnerable countries. And that was part of uh, my interest for continuing my career in the human health field. What type of research are you working on now? So uh, it was almost the last two years of my PhD that I was focused on the climate change assessment part. So I got to the health part because of two reasons. First, I was watching, you know, like different documentaries and reading different articles that how it's impacting life on Bolivian people. And the other part was that um, I always knew that talking about climate change is very challenging, you know, like because it has become a political issue in the country. And it's not easy to, you know, like talk about climate change and the climate change consequences anymore. And so part of me was thinking about how I can use the knowledge that I have based on, you know, like the theory, theoretical courses that, you know, like the modeling that I have used to talk about, you know, like uh, climate change. And I found out that, you know, like one of the best ways to talk about climate change is through human health, because I believe that climate change consequences is passed beyond the rising sea level or, you know, like worrying about uh, polar bears in the Arctic on a single piece of ice. It is affecting people worldwide in different countries, in different forms, you know, like in the form of air pollution, in the form of, you know, like natural hazards like heat waves uh, that have killed most of people, you know, like uh, number one killer as of, you know, like the weather related hazards in the United States. And it's claiming lives, you know, like every single year in different parts of the country or in different parts of the world. And also with drought, it's killing, you know, like more people internationally, uh, basically in developing countries and uh, like in Africa or in India. And there are, you know, like lots of human health consequences that can be explained uh, by the climate change and uh, climate and weather related disaster types. So if someone is just starting college and they heard you talk right now about these human health consequences and they said, that's exactly what I want to focus on, would there be any classes that you would recommend they take maybe that aren't the typical math and science classes associated with them? a meteorology degree or a climate change focus that would help them pursue a job or research such as what you do? 
That's a wonderful question. Um, the course on human health was missing in the program that I got my PhD in. We had, you know, like courses like climate and society, but the health part was basically missing in all of those courses. It was very focused on the climate and climate change science uh, by itself. But uh, there have been, you know, like efforts at the University of Nebraska Medical Center, that's what I'm aware of, that we are trying to, you know, like to have courses like climate change and health for the medical students and, you know, like for the um, public health students with the epidemiology students. Mm -hmm. We have like courses and different, you know, like universities, like medical geography, and uh, I'm pretty sure there are courses, you know, like in different, you know, like universities, but I'm not aware of any, uh, any current courses in, uh, in the University of Nebraska system. Okay, interesting. So how did you end up in the position that you're at now? Did you just, once you received your PhD, did you look for opportunities for research? And um, what made you gravitate towards the university you're at now? Uh, this has started almost uh, in the, the last two years that I was working on my dissertation. And uh, I was, you know, like in conferences, talking to different, you know, like to people, you know, like, and my main concern was to what are the applications of the climate change? You know, like how I can use my knowledge to have an impact, to make an impact on people's life, on the society. That was my main concern. Uh, because most of my work was, you know, like with the climate modeling uh, when I was working on my research, but uh, I didn't want it to just, you know, like be on the theoretical part. I just wanted to make an impact. So I found it, you know, like very interesting and very exciting when I found this position at University of Nebraska Medical Center. So we had a new faculty that uh, Dr. Jesse Bell who started, you know, like in the University of Nebraska Medical Center in the same year that I started my postdoc with him. And he was looking for a, uh, for a climatologist to be part of his team. So I found it very, you know, like exciting to start my, my position there. Uh, to be honest, it was not easy at the beginning because I went from a science background to a college of public health. So it was mainly focused on health and health outcomes. And I was completely new to these, you know, like to this uh, science. So at the beginning, it made it made me very challenging. But when I, you know, like got to understand, you know, like better how it works, and you know, like it opens lots of it opened lots of doors for me. Well, that was a great opportunity. It was uh, really fortunate that you knew the professor who was starting this. Uh, that must have been um, a great opportunity to just, you know, he knew you and you were interested, and that worked out well for you. Yes, that was the, I guess, you know, like perfect, you know, like timing, right place, right time. <laughs> right. And so besides universities, um, what other places do climate scientists usually work? Like if someone is, is listening to our podcast and they're interested in being a climate scientist, uh, what other opportunities are there out there for climate scientists? I've seen, you know, like many different positions in both in an industry and academia. So one of the, you know, like interesting questions that I get uh, most of the time that I'm, you know, like when I'm a speaker or a guest lecture in a class or, you know, like in a conference, people ask, you know, like, how did you go from climatology to like medical sciences or, you know, like the 
College of Public Health. That's always, you know, like a mystery for most of people. But when I start talking about it, that makes more sense for people to, you know, like to uh, think about it. But uh, I've seen, you know, like people working in um, national labs, in uh, private industries, uh, like in transportation. Um, I have colleagues that are working on, you know, like Department of Transportation and uh, working on the road weather type of research. And also, you know, like there are lots of position in uh, academia, mainly, in, you know, like geography departments, earth and atmospheric sciences, geosciences. But I think, you know, like there is kind of no limit. So these days there are lots of opportunities for interdisciplinary research and weather and climate is part of it, definitely. That's definitely good to know. I mean, it sounds like almost every sector these days um, has something to do with weather or climate. So students definitely have the opportunity to find positions in lots of different areas. Yes, definitely. If you look at, you know, like uh, agricultural estates, they are, you know, like vulnerable to the weather impacts. And if you look at, you know, like the urban environments, uh, like, you know, like Houston, Texas, you know, like in uh, East Coast, they are vulnerable to the impacts of, you know, like the hurricanes. And if you look at, you know, like California, they are vulnerable to the, you know, like the wildfires, drought, and most of the country is vulnerable to the heat waves. So it's, it's basically everywhere and it can affect, you know, like everything. And something interesting uh, was that when this, you know, like COVID-19 came around and the pandemic started, we quickly, you know, like started thinking about, you know, like how it's uh, impacting the transmission of the COVID-19, how the weather is impacting the uh, transmission of COVID-19. Right. And we found, you know, like early published, you know, like papers were talking about comparing it to, you know, like past novel coronaviruses like SARS and MERS. And also, you know, like early on in the media, you would have heard about, you know, like a comparison of the flu. And even nowadays that they are saying that, you know, like we'll have a second wave with the flu season. So we started this research, uh, I think about by the end of the February, how the weather is impacting the, the transmission of the COVID-19 around the world. And uh, we have got very interesting results out of it. And that was something that I wasn't thinking about, you know, like if you have asked me like two years ago. Uh, how I can do with my, you know, like meteorology major. Right. So, so share with us some of, some of the outcomes of the research. Is the weather affecting it? Is it true that warmer weather is better to combat it? So, yes, uh, something interesting that we found was, so our research was basically focused on the uh, climate factors part of it and how the weather is impacting. And uh, we were not focused on, you know, like the human interventions part of it. But something interesting that we found was uh, UV has a very significant impact uh, on the on the spread of the virus or the transmission uh, rate of the virus in different places. So higher the UVs, uh, the transmission goes down. And also, uh, so we found that, you know, like UV and uh, the water vapor content of the of the atmosphere or the moisture content of the atmosphere has a more significant impact compared to temperature. Hmm. So it's not just the warm weather. If it's, you know, like drier, if it's like, you know, like sunnier, that has, you know, like impact on the on the spread of the virus. Very interesting. Yes. And also part of this research was, uh, I think we are the first group that we have done that to compare it with the seasonality of the flu. And uh, to, you know, like to see uh, 
if the COVID-19 has the potential to come back in the in the colder and darker months of the year. And interestingly, we found that, you know, like the peak of the COVID-19 is is following the peak of flu very closely. So the statement that you hear, you know, like every day on the news that uh, there's a chance that it comes back with the flu season, our research confirms that, uh, that a statement. Ugh, that's not good. <laughs> we don't want to hear that. Ugh. It's very scary. <laughs> yes. Could you walk us through how a typical day or a typical week of conducting this sort of research looks like? Are you in the field? Are you pulling data from interviews from a computer? What is your team? How does it coordinate? Give us an idea. Sure. Uh, we don't have a, you know, like a fixed schedule uh, every day. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, like different projects that we have to, you know, like uh, work on. And uh, so my typical day, I have like a schedule, you know, like from the morning uh, to work on different, you know, like research analysis that I have been working on. And uh, so sometimes we have meetings, we have, you know, like uh, meetings with different different groups of people. So it might be, you know, like from the agricultural industry or it might be from, you know, like the medical center from hospital. So we uh, engage with lots of people in different researches. So for example, one of the researchers that I'm involved in is the pediatric cancer, but the water quality uh, in the watersheds in Nebraska and uh, the, the potential relationship between, you know, like the, the water quality and pediatric cancer mm -hmm. uh, in different uh, parts of Nebraska. And uh, yeah, we have meetings with, you know, like uh, medical doctors. So yeah, the, the meeting was part of it. And also I do get, you know, like lots of research. I do get to, you know, like mentor people. Sometimes I'm invited to, you know, like speak uh, as a guest lecturer in different classes at the university or uh, like different, you know, like um, setups. So I would I would assume that um, a lot of your job might entail going and presenting a paper at a conference or publishing a paper in a journal. Do you do that as well? Oh, yes, that's the that's the main part of it. So uh, you're focused on, you know, like writing grants to, you know, like secure more funding for our research and also, you know, like publishing uh, peer reviewed papers. And uh, I've been active member on an active member on AMS uh, and also AGU. So we get to, you know, like present our work. We get to uh, organize sessions in, uh, in AMS and AGU every year to, you know, like kind of bring people with the same interest together and also presenting our work as well. It sounds very varied. What do you like most about your job? The thing that I like a lot is the is the opportunity that it gives me flexibility. So most of the industry jobs, you know, like it requires you to clock in in the morning and check out, you know, like in the afternoon. But uh, I think it differs between individuals and academia as well. But for me, it's it's very flexible. So, you know, like if something is in my, in my mind and I'm thinking about it, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, like 2 a.m., or, you know, like uh, three in the afternoon, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. It's kind of like a, a double-edged sword. <laughs> it can have benefits and, you know, like it can have, you know, like difficulties as well. So for me uh, personally, it's not easy to draw the line between um, work and, you know, like life. But uh, it kind of makes it fun for me. So I don't have to stop, you know, like at a specific time. So you said that it can be a bit challenging. 
Is there any other part of the job that is, let's say, the most challenging? The most challenging part of it for me is um, is the communication part of it. So uh, that is the part that is missing in this specific field that I am in. And there are not much, you know, like uh, developed paths or strategies to communicate about climate change uh, and health, specifically, you know, like in the rural, you know, like part of the states. And I think that's, you know, like that's correct for every parts of the United States. It's not just, you know, like focused on Nebraska. This is missing. And uh, so, you know, like to develop that path and to start uh, from the scratch, uh, it makes it challenging. So you said that your job is very flexible. So I'm assuming that that allows for a good work-life balance. But yet at the same time, you said it was sometimes challenging because you don't know where the, the work and life you know, where to draw the line since you can work at any time. Um, but overall, would you say that there's a good work-life balance? Yes, yes, definitely it is. And, you know, like uh, what I said, it was like, uh, it's, it's, it depends on individuals. So, you know, like I have colleagues that, you know, like they clock in in the morning and, you know, like they're done in the afternoon and, you know, like they have a very perfect balanced work and life, you know, like schedule. But uh, for me, it has been always, you know, like when my mind is uh, stuck on a topic, I have to fix it before I have the ease in mind. So it's it's really, you know, like a personal or depends on individuals. Is there a part of your career that you think was the most exciting, either a transition or an accomplishment or someone you got to work with or talk with? Yeah, I think, you know, like the transition that I made from... Um, pure climatology to more of an application side of it on human health was the most exciting thing that happened in, you know, like in my career, because I, uh, that opened lots of doors for me. And I got to know, you know, like people from CDC, from, you know, like NOAA, NIH, and uh, to work closely with them and see, you know, like the, uh, it definitely expanded my horizons. So I think, you know, like it helped me to think outside of the box and um, it creates lots of ideas that I was not thinking about, you know, like uh, previously. Is there anything you wish you had done differently in your career or are you happy with the path that it's taken you? I'm very happy with the path, you know, like that I have followed and, you know, like I have continued. Something that I wished I uh, would have, you know, like done in the past uh, that, that would have, you know, like have a bigger impact on what I'm doing right now is, you know, like... Uh, reinforcing my uh, programming background or, you know, like a statistics. Uh, it's not something that you can't, you know, like fix these days. Because <laughs> uh, I uh, I started, you know, like getting a, a master degree in uh, biostatistics uh, here at the College of Public Health to kind of, you know, like uh, compensate for that. But, you know, like if you start early on, you would have, you know, like you probably save times uh, later. You could say that's almost a form of professional development. Are there any other professional development opportunities that you pursue? You talked about being a member of the AGU and the AMS and going to conferences. Is there anything you want to add to that set of activities that you find helpful? Yeah, definitely attending conferences uh, is really helpful. And also, so the part that I was, you know, like starting organizing sessions was completely new uh, to me, you know, like in the past uh, almost one year that I got, you know, like into uh, into that. Uh, so 
being in a conference and, you know, like attending different sessions or different, you know, like uh, career development sessions, uh, that's really helpful. But being part of it, being part of a committee, I think it's more helpful uh, for, you know, like you get involved with the details. And uh, to me, it was much more, you know, like helpful to, you know, like to start uh, when I was organizing a session at AGU, I had to, you know, like talk to different people and uh, know about, you know, like their research and uh, bringing people with the same interest and asking, you know, like for the speakers. Uh, so those are two different sides of, you know, like the conferences that, you know, like I was completely naive about, you know, like one part till last year. Right. You're no longer just sitting in the audience or up on stage, but you're behind the scenes and working, exactly. working personally with a lot more of the people involved. Yes, exactly. What advice do you have for students and early career professionals looking to establish careers focusing on climate change? I think, you know, like these days, uh, programming and, you know, like a, a stronger math and a statistics background is really needed for, for everything, uh, you know, like as of the science. That's part of it with the, you know, like the theoretical background. And also something that uh, I would have done differently uh, was to, you know, like to engage more in the um, public speaking or, uh, you know, like writing classes. Those are very important. It doesn't matter, you know, like what major or what career you choose. Uh, communication is a big part of it. So you have to be able to communicate in a very clear way. Uh, with, you know, like your colleagues or uh, like whoever is, you know, like you're addressing. For, you know, like uh, the earliest students in the climate change uh, sciences or meteorology uh, field, I think attending conferences is very important. And uh, what I have seen in the past is that most of undergrads, you know, like think that uh, they have to attend conferences if they have something to present. But to me, it's not correct at all. So um, you have to go to conferences, even if you don't have anything to present, to just be there, you know, like hearing what other people have to present and being exposed. So uh, and, you know, like with the different exhibitors, you know, like in AMS, in AGU, uh, you'll see lots of, you know, like um, interesting people and very, you know, like um, it's a very great environment to develop ideas to see, you know, like what's out there and what you can, you know, like follow for your career. So it's okay to come with empty hands as long as you have an open mind and a willingness to engage at the conferences. Definitely. Yes, I think, you know, like uh, being able to be a thinker uh, at the beginning is much important to, you know, like than um, having something, um, uh, some, something small. I think that's a great insight. Azar, we always ask our guests one last fun question at the end of each podcast. And I am curious what your favorite hobby is. Well, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, so I uh, developed this interest, you know, like to with, with the nature, developed this strong relationship with the nature early in, in my early childhood with my uh, family. And I kept that, you know, like hobby as an active hobby during my during my life. So uh, I've been in the state in Nebraska for almost eight years. And uh, I'm proud to say that I have tried, you know, like most of the trails and the hiking paths or uh, trails in the in Nebraska, in, in Lincoln and in Omaha. 
So one of my hobbies is, you know, like to go for long walks, uh, sometimes two to three hours and listening to audiobooks or music. That's uh, kind of relaxing for me. And also, you know, like uh, watching different sceneries, different landscapes is really peaceful. Thanks so much for joining us, Azar, and sharing your work experiences with us. Well, thank you for having me. That was great to talk to you and talk about my, my interests. Well, that's our show for today. Please join us next time. Rain or shine.